There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Forty years ago today, Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical Cats opened on Broadway on October 7th, 1982. I spoke to the original Grizabella actress Betty Buckley when she performed in Hello, Dolly! at the Kennedy Center in 2019. Thanks so much for joining us. Nice to meet you, Jason. Now, um, first I want to start, when you you hear Hello, Dolly, um, I know you're probably prepping for the role, know that it's coming up this summer, and then you hear that Carol Channing passes away in yeah. just this year, earlier this well, year, wasn't it? Well, a national tour of the yeah. Broadway production that just that, that won something like eight Tonys or something um, that closed uh, last um, August, I think. And um, we've been on the road since September, and I was in, we were in San Diego, opening in San Diego on a Tuesday, and that morning we heard that she had passed away. And so we were all very moved by that. And there was an actual poster with photographs of her uh, where she had done one of the touring productions of Hello, Dolly. And the uh, big poster and photos were on the wall right next to my dressing room. So we had a little memorial uh, ceremony there before the show. And and I gave a curtain speech. And, yeah, she was... What did you say in the curtain speech? Just what a force she was in theater and what it, the, how singular her performance um, as Dolly had been and what a unique uh, and wonderful actress, comedian she was and the legacy that she's left and that I could only, um, you know, could never fill her shoes but do the best I can do, you know, and, and she's... She was a legend. It was amazing. Yeah. How do you? How do you? I mean, that's so iconic, and you know, it's on everyone's brains you now with her passing. But how do you? How do you make the role your own, or, or what do you love about? What's so juicy about playing this matchmaker? <laughs> well, Dolly Levi, as I've learned, is um, she's she's a very unique individual, and she's full of love. And um, her husband has passed away ten years prior to the moment of the musical. The play was actually written by Thornton Wilder, the matchmaker, and it was based on a European play, which was um, happened in the 1920s, and Wilder wrote uh, The Matchmaker in the 1930s, and then Michael Stewart adapted the book in the early 1960s with uh, Jerry Herman's score, and um, it's the book really is very, very accurate to the play, The Matchmaker. So it's about this woman whose husband has passed away 10 years previously, and she makes a living, catches catch can. She does everything from short-distance hauling to teaching guitar and mandolin to varicose veins reduced to ears pierced or pierced ears replugged or, you know, she's, you know, most her 
greatest skill is that a, a matchmaker. She has a real intuitive ability to put people together rightly in um, in relationships, and all she wants is for everybody to be happy. But she's decided on this particular day that what will make her life better is to marry the half a millionaire Horace Vandegelder. And so she states that that's her mission in the first scene, and then the rest all mayhem breaks loose as she tries to accomplish her goal. It's it's a beautiful, fun, uh, joyous evening. Um, this pr new production has been directed um, by Jerry Zachs, who's a genius director, and uh, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> He's one of our great, great uh, directors, and our producer is Scott Rudin, who's one of the greatest uh, producers in Broadway history. And it's and a, Hollywood, <laughs> it, it, yeah, and Hollywood, and um, it's the choreography is by Warren Carlyle, and it's uh, the design is by Santa Laquasto, the lighting by Natasha Katz, and it's just a glorious beautiful, fresh interpretation of the show, the likes of which I think no one's seen. And our ensemble is like our dancing, singing, acting angels. And my leading man, Louis Stadlin, is one of the greatest um, actors and comedians in the business. So it's been awesome. It's going to be a real treat for um, all of our listeners and DC theater fans to come see. I mean, you're a legend of the stage. I mean, come on. You know. Thanks. Oh, yes. don't, don't faint. You know that yeah. you're... <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we'll remind them um, you were in the original production of Cats. Because um, for a long time, it was the longest, wasn't it the longest running mm -hmm. show ever? Mm -hmm. What was it like when you found out that Phantom finally beat it? <laughs> What's Cats' legacy? Uh, Cats' legacy, it's just one of the great musical theater pieces of all time. And I was really honored to be in the uh, original New York cast as the lovely Grizabella, who's Grizabella. a great, great character, and sing that great song, Memory. <laughs> is that is that the role most people come up on the street and say, "Hey, you were you were Grizabella"? Oh, I don't know that people really come up to me much on the street. <laughs> I look pretty, pretty innocuous in, as a human being as you're as I'm just passing by. Sometimes people at a department store or something will recognize my voice when I speak, um, which is funny uh, from my television work or film yeah. work, or, and then on other occasions from my Broadway work. Was that when you first heard about that production? The idea of everyone dressed with cat ears, <laughs> like, did you think it even had a shot? Like, that seems so off the wall. No, and no, in hindsight, it, it's a it, staple, but no, at the no, time, it was a huge hit in London. And there was okay. this beautiful cast album uh, that had been released of the London cast, um, which you know featured the glorious voice of Elaine Page, who's the, a brilliant musical theater um, legend in her own right in London, in uh, the British theater, and. Um, we all, everybody, the art and uh, musical theater devotees had the cast album and knew the music forwards and backwards and yeah. were ecstatic to learn about the production coming to New York and um, some of us hadn't traveled to London to actually see it. We had the photographs from the cast album. Uh, but, um, you know, discovering exactly what it was was part of the mystery of it and part of how it was marketed in the beginning as well. Yeah. Um. You mentioned it just a few seconds ago. You know, people remember you from from TV. Ain't is enough. Um, well, just memories, real quick, before and we. Get, Oz, and Oz and um, you know various other shows that I've done, and um, most recently Preacher, uh, the third season. Uh, I played a really evil Cajun sorceress in the AMC wonderful hit show Preacher, opposite Dominique Cooper and Ruth Nega and Joseph Gilgan, and I've done a lot of films too. 
Um, well, say a word about Dick Van Patten working across. He's the a, was a lovely man, and I was very fortunate to get to work with him. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, and then the movie roles going on and on. I mean, I remember Frantic. <laughs> Love that yeah, was an exciting. Harrison Ford. Little yeah. thriller. Um, and um, Carrie. Of course, that's what that's what that's I really wanted to get. That was movie. your breakthrough. Yeah. yeah that's my Miss first what? Are you the? It's the gym I teacher. Collins, the gym teacher. Yeah. yeah, and that was the, my first movie. Yeah. Talk about what? I mean, you're sort of you're like the one sympathetic character. That her Piper Laurie is is. Horrific, but yeah. you're sort of the one she leans on at school. So yeah. she was, she's tremendous and was an amazing um, actress that all of us knew about and were thrilled. We were thrilled to work with her. Of course, the great Sissy Spacek, and then there were seven of us making our film debu- debuts, including um, John Travolta. It was directed by the great Brian De Palma, and um, yeah, it was a really exciting cast to be a part of. There was, we had a real. Uh, energy about us because we knew that the you know we were doing something yeah. special and uh, so when it became this classic cult hit we were like yeah you know I know something crazy that was actually my parents first date oh, was whoa. seeing Carrie so, full circle. <laughs> oh yeah going strong but um, before I put it put in that were you there for any of those crazy you know those famous De Palma shots you know there was that big figure eight tracking shot during oh, the prom yeah, they yeah, talk sure. about yeah. um and then or i mean the openings you know the in in the period the, the steam shower um yeah. slow motion um but what what was that 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 figure eight thing must have been hell on set but beautiful to watch no we were all fascinated because we knew who he was and we, yeah. he was what watching a master film director at work it was very exciting to be a part of this team and yeah. you know watch him do create his magic um yeah we were, it was a special time yeah and then, just real quick, a word on uh, after Carrie. I mean, Tender Mercies was also was also yeah. huge. But yeah. just memories of that movie. Right? Well, I was, you know, it was divine. I'd done Eight Is Enough for four years, and that was like a difficult job. Uh, it's like working in a factory and learning about big business, show business, and producers that were, um, you know, like to remind people that they were owned by the mob. And it was just, you know, kind of a weird um, experience. So it was like going to school in big business, show business, you know. And in the meantime, I was studying acting, um, taking um, Stella Adler's script analysis class and stuff in Hollywood and traveling back to New York every six weeks for my voice lessons to try to grow as an actor, singer. And um, at the end of the Eight is Enough experience, four years, we we ran four years, 29 episodes a year. So it was an intense time period. And then I was doing a a musical called uh, Getting My Act Together and taking it on the road at the Huntington Hartford Theater at night in the end of my time in Eight is Enough and doing shooting in the day. And um, there's a brilliant casting man, a person in uh, Hollywood named Fred Ruse, who was also a producer of uh, The Black Stallion, which is one of my Mm -hmm. favorite films, and, and produced and cast many of Coppola's movies. Right. He had seen me do Getting Mike Together in New York, and he had called me into his office and said he would be sure that I worked in film, that I was one of his actors, and that really was an incredibly um, wonderful honor for him to say that, because he has been responsible for the careers of some wonderful actors that I've really enjoyed a lot in, in the business, and he called me um, early that following summer and said, um, uh, Betty, I'm sending you a script by Horton Foote, who's one of the all-time great American playwrights, um, that uh, it's, they want a country western, someone who can sing country western who's a really good actress, and I gave them one name, go get the part. Sent over the script, and I remember I lived at the in a suite at the Chateau Marmont uh, Hotel, 
And I sat down and read the script and wept at its beauty, the sheer beauty of the script. And he says, and it's starring Robert Duvall. And, uh, so I went to my audition with Bruce Beresford, and he said, uh, he said, uh, can you act? And I said, yes. And he said, can you sing country western? And I said, yes, I'm from Texas. He said, do you want this part? And I said, yes. And he said, well, you come highly recommended. It's yours. <laughs> so I was, like, I was like, what? So that same year, I shot... Um, Tender Mercies that year, and then got Cats and went into rehearsals for that, and then just we, two two things, I, two minor know, productions. It was like <laughs> that that October we opened in Cats, and then in November Tender Mercies was released, and um, it was, and then the following spring I won the Tony for Cats, yeah. and it was and Robert Duvall won, won for the Oscar, I think, too, yeah, right? He so won you're winning, he's winning that, and you're winning. And the song I sang in the movie uh, won the Golden Globe. I sang it on the Golden Globes, and. It was also a nominated song in, um, in, for the Oscars. And so it was one of the greatest career years of my life. And um, I felt like both those projects, Cats and um, Tender Mercies, were like my master's thesis after right. I'd been to big business, show business, sure. and filmmaking school. Right. Uh, and it is enough. So it was, it was kind of wonderful. Done all the different mediums. Is it uh, just real quick in closing? I know you grew up in Texas and eventually made your way to, to Broadway, mm-hmm. but. Um, is it true that you landed 1776 like right as you got into town? Yes. What's that mm-hmm. story? Well, I got I had this agent that signed me when I was a junior in college and kept encouraging me to come to New York, but my father didn't want me to go. So finally, uh, the agent arranged a job for me at um, in that took me to Philadelphia, and then he said, "You can um, come into New York. I have another six week job for you for doing this like um, it was called a." Um, industrial show, but it was like a musical help, helping to sell a product, and this one was for Gimbel's department store in the old days. And he said, but I have an audition for you, you know, here, when, as soon as you get to town. So I took my music and went down. I didn't even know what it was for, and I sang, and they cast me, and so and we went on the road to New Haven and then Washington and then came back and we were the big hit that spring in New York which was 1969 but it was because of this wonderful agent named Roger Hess who's now a big Broadway producer and one of, still one of my dear friends so it was just a glorious um, kismet of yeah. circumstances and you know I've been very blessed yeah well I wish we had time to talk about all of them you know uh, Pippin and Drude and, but well, I want to bring it back around to Dolly for sure um, and I've got uh, some lovely albums out my most recent is called Hope what? with an incredible band of musicians I've been working the one before that year, last year was released it was called Story Songs and um, um, when I finish Dolly at the end of August I go back doing some concert work on the west coast and then um, some forthcoming concert work in uh, 2020 as well. So I'm excited to get back with my band and do some new material. It'll be really fun. Awesome. Well, well, everybody keep an eye out for um, the albums. Yeah, uh, what else you got? Well, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's movie Split. Uh, I was one of the co-stars of that with James McAvoy. It was... um, You did The Happening with him first, right? And then Split. And Split was one of the biggest international box office hits of 2017. That's been most fortunate. So I've had a couple of good years. I'd say. (laughs) All these years. But it's, it's... No one can... It's rare they find someone that can dominate, you know, stage, screen, and you're releasing an album. And, you know... I don't know if you'd say dominate, but, you know, (laughs) I've been a very blessed um, actor, singer, and... Um, you know, I feel fortunate. I'm turning 72 on July 3rd, and I feel really fortunate. The past couple of years with Split and Preacher, and then to go from playing this like mad, crazy woman on Preacher 
which was so much fun. We shot in New Orleans, so it was like one of the greatest jobs I've ever, ever, and one of the greatest crews and teams of creators that I've ever had the good fortune to work with. And to go from that to work with Jerry Zachs and this glorious company and Louis Stadlin um, in Hello, Dolly, it's been um, incredible, you know, past couple of years and um, the the tour of Dolly you know we've been doing it for 10 months it's still so fresh and so beautiful and the audiences have been so joyous every single performance it's been a remarkable gift and great great blessing in my life and I'm so grateful to uh, Jerry Zachs and to Scott Rudin for you know trusting me with their incredible production awesome well again everybody come check it out hello Dolly at the Kennedy Center uh, Betty Buckley thanks so much thank you Jason Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.